Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night, wherever and whenever in the realms of time and space my voice finds you. Welcome. My name is Aaron James, and you're listening to episode 20 of Kids Myth Plus. Each week at Kids Myth Plus, we bring you stories from the deep and wide collective universe of mythology, folklore, legend, secret fairy tales, and more. Our mission is to curate and present the often unexplored stories and tales that can help us get a more full picture and understanding of who we are, us human animals. Which ideas tie us together across the boundaries of time, space, culture, and custom? This week's story comes to us from the 1894 book, Tales from the Punjab. It's a book of folk tales collected from the people of the Punjab region of India, translated and written down for publication by the English author Flora Annie Steele. She lived 1847 to 1929. She spent 22 years living in this region of India. Tales from the Punjab Do you know what the Punjab is? Punjab is the name of a state in northern India and also the name of a region, the Punjab region. You can find Punjab music, food, poetry. It's an extremely rich culture. Punjabi music is popular all over the world. Look up some Punjabi music and see what you think. I like the traditional folk style of Punjabi music. Try looking up Punjabi traditional folk and see what you think. It's very different from the music we're used to here in the West. Today's story is about a prince who discovers a magical being is taken for the ride of his life. And from that moment on, his adventure begins. The Faithful Prince Long ago there lived a king who had an only son by the name Prince Baramgor. Prince Baramgor was as splendid as the noonday sun and as beautiful as the midnight moon. One day the prince went out hunting and he hunted to the north but found no game. He hunted to the south but nothing arose. He hunted to the east and still found nothing. Then he turned toward the west and the setting sun, where suddenly, from the dense bushes and trees, flashed a golden deer. Gleaming gold were its hooves and horns, its body deep shining gold. Dazzled by the wonderful sight, the astonished prince instructed his hunters to form a circle round the beautiful strange creature, and so gradually enclose and secure it. Remember, said the prince, I hold him towards whom the deer may run to be responsible for its escape or capture. Closer and closer drew the glittering circle of horsemen, while in the center stood the golden deer, until, with marvelous speed, it bounded straight toward the prince. But the prince was quicker still and caught it by the golden horns. 
The creature spoke in a human voice and cried, Let me go, O prince, let me go, and I will give you countless treasures. But the prince laughed, saying, No thanks, I have all the gold and jewels one could dream of, but never have I seen a golden deer. Let me go, pleaded the deer, and I will give you more than treasure. And what then, what may it be, asked the prince, still laughing to himself. I will give you a ride on my back, like no mortal has ever experienced, replied the deer. You have a deal, cried the delighted prince, hopping lightly to the deer's back. Immediately, like a bird from its nest, the strange glittering creature rose through the air and disappeared into the sky. For seven days and seven nights, the golden deer carried the prince all over the world so that he could see everything, just like a picture passing below. And on the evening of the seventh day, the deer touched down to the earth once more and vanished. Prince Baramgor rubbed his eyes in bewilderment. He had never seen such a strange country before. Everything seemed new, strange, and unfamiliar. He wandered about for some time, looking for the smallest hint of a house or trace of a footprint. When suddenly, from the ground at his feet, popped up a tiny old man. How did you come here? And what are you looking for, my son? He asked politely. Prince Bahamgor told him how he had ridden here and there all over the world on a golden deer, which had disappeared, and now he was quite lost and bewildered in this strange country. Don't be alarmed, my son, replied the tiny man. You are in demon's land, but no one shall hurt you, for I am the demon Jajdrul whose life you saved when I was on earth in the shape of a golden deer. Then the demon Jazdrul took Prince Bahamgor to his house and treated him quite royally, giving him a hundred keys and saying, These are the keys of my palaces and gardens. Amuse yourself by looking at them and maybe somewhere you'll find a treasure worth having. So every day, Prince Bahamgor opened a new garden and explored a new palace, and in one he found rooms of gold, and in another jewels, and in a third rich tapestries and cloths. In fact, everything a heart could desire he found, until he came to the hundredth palace. And there he found a mere shack, full of poisonous things, herbs, stones, snakes, and insects. But the garden in which it lay was by far the most magnificent of all. It was seven miles this way and seven miles that, full of tall trees and bright flowers, lakes, streams, fountains, and summer houses. Butterflies flitted about and birds sang in it all day and all night. The prince, enchanted, wandered seven miles this way and seven miles that, until he was so tired that he lay down to rest in a marble cottage where he found a golden bed all spread with silken blankets. While he slept, the fairy princess Chapasand, who was gliding through the air, fairy fashion, in the shape of a pigeon, happened to fly over the garden. And catching sight of the beautiful, splendid, handsome young prince, she sank to earth in sheer astonishment at beholding such a lovely sight. 
Resuming her natural shape, as fairies always do when they touch the ground, she stooped over the young man and gave him a kiss. He woke in a hurry and was astonished to see the most beautiful princess in the world kneeling gracefully beside him. Dearest prince, cried the maiden, clasping her hands, I've been looking everywhere for you. Now the very same thing befell Prince Bahramgor that had happened to Princess Shapasan. This is to say, no sooner did he set eyes on her than he fell desperately in love. And so, of course, they agreed to be married without delay. Nevertheless, the prince thought it best first to consult his host, the demon Jazdrul, remembering how powerful he was in Demon's Land. To the young man's delight, the demon not only gave his consent, but appeared greatly pleased, rubbing his hands and saying, Now you will remain in demon's land with me forever. You will be so happy and content that you will never dream of returning to your own country. So the prince Bahramgor and the fairy princess Shapasand were married and lived ever so happily for a very long time. At last, though, the thought of the home he had left came back to the prince. He began to think longingly of his father, the king, his mother, the queen, and of his favorite horse and hound. Then, from thinking of them, he fell to speaking of them to the princess, his wife. And then, from speaking, he took to singing and singing and refusing his dinner, until finally he became quite pale and thin. Now the demon Jazdrul used to sit every night in a little echoing room below the prince and princess's chamber and listen to what they had said, so as to be sure they were happy. And when he heard the prince talking of his faraway home on the earth, he sighed too. For he was a kind-hearted demon and loved his handsome young prince. At last the demon asked Prince Bahramgor what was the cause of his growing so pale and singing so often. For so polite was the young man that he would rather have died of grief than have committed the rudeness of telling his host that he was longing to get away. But when he was asked, he said sadly, Oh, good demon, let me go home and see my father, the king, my mother, the queen, my horse and my hound, for I am very weary. Let me and the princess go together, or surely I shall perish. At first the demon refused, but at last he took pity on the prince and said, Let it be so. Nevertheless, soon you will regret your leaving and long to be back in demon's land, for the world has changed since you left it. Trouble awaits you there. Take this hair with you, and when you need help, burn it and I will come immediately to your assistance. Then the demon Jastrul said a sorrowful goodbye, and presto, Prince Bahamgor found himself standing outside his native city with the beautiful princess beside him. Of course, as the good-natured demon had foretold, everything was changed. His father and mother were both dead. A usurper sat on the throne and had put a price on Bahramgor's head should he ever return from his mysterious journey. Luckily, no one recognized the young prince. So much had changed during his time in Demon's Land. No one except his old huntsman, that is, who, though overjoyed to see the prince, said it could cost him his life if he was discovered giving the prince shelter. 
Yet still, being a faithful servant, he agreed to let the young couple live in the garret of his house. My old grandmother, who is blind, he said, will never see you coming and going. And as you used to be fond of sport, you can help me to hunt, just as I used to help you. So the splendid Prince Bahramgor and his lovely princess hid in the garret of the huntsman's house, and no one knew they were there. One fine day, when the prince had gone out to hunt, as servant to the huntsman, Princess Shabasan took the opportunity of washing her beautiful golden hair, which hung round her lovely neck and down to her pretty ankles like a shower of sunshine. And when she had washed it and combed it, she opened the window so that the breeze might blow in and dry her hair. Just at this moment, the chief officer of the town happened to pass by, and hearing the window open, looked up and saw the lovely Shabasan with her glittering golden hair. He was so overcome at the sight that he fell right off his horse and into the gutter. His servants, thinking he had fainted, picked him up and carried him back to his house where he wouldn't cease from raving about the beautiful fairy with the golden hair in the huntsman's garret. This got everyone to wondering whether he had been bewitched. The story made its way to the king's ear. The king then sent down a group of soldiers to make inquiries at the huntsman's house. No one lives here, said the huntsman's cross old mother. No beautiful lady, nor ugly one either, nor any person at all other than me and my son. However, if you wish, go to the garret and look for yourself. Hearing these words of the old woman, Princess Shapasan bolted the door and, seizing a knife, cut a hole in the wooden roof. Then, taking the form of a pigeon, she flew out so that when the soldiers burst open the door, they found no one in the garret. The poor princess was greatly distressed at having to leave her beautiful young prince in this hurried way. And as she flew past the blind old crone, she whispered in her ear, I go to my father's house in Emerald Mountain. In the evening, when Prince Bahramgor returned from hunting, great was his grief at finding the garret empty. Nor could the blind old crone tell him much of what had occurred. Still, when he heard of the mysterious voice which whispered, I go to my father's house in the Emerald Mountain, he was at first somewhat comforted. Afterwards, when he reflected that he had not the remotest idea where the Emerald Mountain was to be found, he fell into a sad state, and casting himself on the ground, he sobbed and sighed. He refused his dinner and never ceased crying. Oh, my dearest princess, my dearest princess. At last, he remembered the magic hair and taking it from its hiding place, threw it into the fire. It had scarcely began to burn when, presto, the demon Jazdrul appeared and asked him what he wanted. Show me the way to Emerald Mountain, cried the prince. Then the kind-hearted demon shook his head sorrowfully, saying, You would never reach it alive, my son. Take my advice. Forget all that has passed and begin a new life. I have but one life, answered the faithful prince, and that is gone if I lose my dearest princess. As I must die, let me die seeking her. Then the demon Jastrul was touched by the passion of the splendid young prince, and promised to aid him as far as possible. 
So he carried the young man back to Demon's Land, and giving him a magic wand, instructed him to travel back over the country until he came to the demon Nanakshan's house. You will meet with many dangers on the way, said his old friend. But keep the magic wand in your hand day and night, and nothing will harm you. That is all I can do for you. But Nanakshan, who is my elder brother, can help you farther on your way. So Prince Bahamgur traveled through Demon's Land, and because he held the magic wand in his hand day and night, no harm came to him. At last he arrived at the demon Nanakshan's house. Just as the demon had awakened from a sleep, which, according to the habit of demons, had lasted for twelve years. Naturally, he was desperately hungry, and on catching sight of the prince, thought what a dainty morsel he would make for breakfast. Nevertheless, though his mouth watered, the demon restrained his appetite when he saw the wand, and asked the prince politely what he wanted. When the demon Narakshan had heard the whole story, he shook his head, saying, You will never reach the Emerald Mountain, my son. Listen to my words, forget all that has passed, and begin a new life. Then the splendid young prince answered as before, I have but one life, and that is gone if I lose my dearest princess. If I must die, let me die seeking her. The answer touched the demon Nanakshand, and he gave the faithful prince a box of powdered antimony and directed him to travel on through Demon's Land till he came to the house of the great demon Safed. For, said Nanakshan, Safed is my eldest brother, and if anybody, anyone, can do what you want, it is he. If you are in need, rub the powder in your eyes, and whatever you wish near will be near, whatever you wish far will be far. So the faithful prince traveled on through all the dangers and difficulties of Demon's Land, till he reached the demon Safed's house, to whom he told his story showing the powder and the magic wand which had brought him thus far in safety. But the great demon Safed shook his head, saying, You will never reach the Emerald Mountain alive, my son. Be wise and take my advice. Forget all about the past. Begin a new life. Still the faithful prince gave the same answer. I have but one life, and that is gone if I lose my dearest princess. And if I must die, let me at least die seeking her. Then the great demon nodded his head approvingly and said, You are brave. I will do my best for you. Take this cap. Wherever you put it on, you will become invisible. Journey to the north, and after a while, far off in the distance, you will see the Emerald Mountain. But put the powder on your eyes and wish the mountain near, for it is an enchanted hill, and the farther you climb, the higher it grows. On the summit lies the Emerald City. Enter it by means of your invisible cap, and find the princess, if you can. So the prince journeyed joyfully to the north, until in the far, far distance he saw the glittering emerald mountain. Then he rubbed the powder on his eyes, and behold, what he desired was near. 
The Emerald City lay before him, looking as if it had been cut from a single jewel. But the prince thought of nothing else except to save his dearest princess, and wandered up and down the gleaming city protected by his invisible cap. Still, he could not find her. The fact was, the princess Shafasan's father had locked her up. He had locked her inside seven prisons for fear she should fly away again back to earth and her handsome young prince, whom she never ceased of talking. If your husband comes, well and good, said the old man, but you shall never go back to him. So the princess wept all day long inside her seven prisons, for how could a mere mortal ever reach the Emerald Mountain? The prince, while roaming in his sadness throughout the city, noticed a servant woman who every day at a certain hour entered a certain door with a tray of sweet dishes in her hand. Being curious, he took advantage of his invisible cap, and when she opened the door, he slipped in behind her. Nothing was to be seen but a large door, which, after shutting and locking the outer one, the servant opened. Again, Prince Barangor slipped in behind her, and again saw nothing but a huge door. And so on and so on he went through all the seven doors till he came to the seventh prison. And there sat the beautiful Princess Shapsand, weeping salty tears. At the sight of her, he could scarcely refrain from flinging himself at her feet. But remembering that he was invisible, he waited until the servant, after putting down the tray, left the room. Then he sat down by the princess and began to eat out of the same dish with her. The princess, the poor thing, had the appetite of a sparrow and scarcely ate a thing. So when she saw the contents of the dish disappearing, she thought she must be dreaming. But when all had vanished, she became convinced someone was in the room with her and cried out faintly, Who eats in the same dish with me? The prince Barangor lifted the cap slightly from his head so that he was no longer fully invisible. He showed like a figure seen in early dawn. At this the princess wept bitterly, calling him by name, thinking she had seen his ghost. But as he lifted the cap more and more, and growing from a shadow to real flesh and blood clasped in her arms, her tears of sadness changed to tears of joy. The next day, the servant was astonished when she found the handsome young prince seated right beside his dearest princess. She ran to the king, who on hearing the whole story from his daughter's lips, was very much pleased at the courage and loyalty of the prince Bahramgor. The king ordered Princess Shafasan to be released at once. He then appointed the prince to be his heir, and the faithful Prince Bahramgor and his beautiful bride lived happily ever after in the Emerald Kingdom. Well, well, another happily ever after ending. But they don't come so easy, do they? The prince started his adventure by taking hold of a magical golden deer. The deer struck a bargain with the prince and agreed to take him on a ride he would never forget. The prince did not desire riches and jewels. He had plenty of those. He longed for something more from life. 
So he traveled for seven days and seven nights on the golden deer's back, seeing everything of the world. Like a magical initiation, perhaps. Have we talked about that word, that term initiation? It has two meanings, really. One is to begin something, the act of beginning. Initiation is also the action of admitting someone into a secret, obscure society or group, typically with a ritual. So maybe the ride on the deer's back symbolizes the initiation of the prince into the new world that he lives. The ritual is the ride where he sees everything for seven days and seven nights. The new world, demon's land. Maybe demon's land can be seen as symbolic of something else as well. Maybe the adult world. Ew, right? Just some ideas, some questions to get you started. Listen again and see what symbolism you can find. Looking closely at these tales helps us to learn about the people who tell them and how they may have viewed the world, and also what we have in common. I think we all value courage, curiosity, and loyalty as we find in this story. These values and so many more connect all of us in the family of life. This beautiful web, complicated and simple at the same time. Until next time, this has been Kids Myth Plus, episode 20. Presented to you by me, Aaron James, and a presentation of Brooklyn Sage Productions. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at KidsMythPlus. That's at KidsMythPlus. P-L-U-S. Thanks for listening. And remember, keep asking questions and looking for the magic. It's all around us. <laughs>